Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dads uh, podcast. We haven't been on just you and me in a while, buddy. How are you? No, man, you feel so distant. <laughs> and I'm so sick of this bullshit with these vaccines and COVID and all this crap. I want to see you in person. Yeah. Right? I need I need a dose of Nick and Sonia and that love you guys bring and that energy, man. Totally. It's yeah. definitely lacking something that we really want. So Canada, get your shit together. Right? Right? Who, who, do, who do we need to send this to to get people to open up those borders, right? I don't know, man. This shit's got to change really quick. Uh, you know what's funny? I had this awareness last night. Um, I'll tell you before, we, I got a chance to hang out with a couple of dads from the soccer team. And and though it wasn't like, you know, I, I'm just getting to know these guys. And so it, it's not it's not like connecting with someone like you that, you know, we, we share a mission, share a heart, share a passion for, for healing. Um, but what I did recognize is that, man, getting stuck in the digital world with little mini versions of, of dialogue to explain a point, to share a story, I didn't, I'd realized last night, just, especially with newer people, just how my, my delivery of a dialogue was, I felt this contraction of be, just being so used to just digitize a conversation. And not actually really get into more of a nuanced, like it. eventually the conversation over time tend to get a little more nuanced. It became more interesting, but it was interesting how the, the, the initial part of the conversation felt kind of contracted and just like this, this digital world, like even though we were meeting in person and um, I, I found that fascinating. Have you, have you noticed some of that? I'd agree, man. Like I think with everything that's happened in the past year and a half, the social piece man, of how we interact and communicate. I mean, we've talked about how much it's affecting kids and I constantly talking to teachers and stuff that come into me about how hard this has hit kids. Yeah. But no, I totally get it. Even just in our day-to-day interaction with other people, man, like it's like interacting with another human being on another level and being able to have that dialogue like we used to just isn't there. Everything just seems so more superficial. Yeah right very surface level and it's almost like you can't say shit anymore because people will get pissed off so everybody's constantly like you're saying in this contraction mode of holding back what they want to say because they don't want to offend anybody yeah right and so yeah it's 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 interesting times (laughs) totally yeah and you know in this experience i think that we're all in um one of the things that i realize is that often it's that it's that fight or flight state right you know and we're going to be talking a little bit more about breath and and the components and the physiology of the biochemistry of the breath but when i think about you know when we're in a place where we're not comfortable or we're in a conversation we're not thoroughly enjoying um or when we feel contracted the, the first thing that i that i recognize is just this contraction of the breath i remember one one point during the evening actually like i was eating my food and just feeling like everything had to speed up and I wasn't really enjoying the food so much. I wasn't, you know, it, it felt kind of contracted and, and, but the first thing to go is your breath, right? And we get stuck in this fight or flight state when we're not feeling super comfortable. 
and uh, that that breath just collapses, right? We we don't use that full expansion of of our breath, and and so as part of the remedy, I was recognizing that I was doing this was actually just you know put the fork down, just sit back and and take a deeper breath, um, and then that <clears throat> allowed that comfort to kind of come back, and it, and and again part of that initial conversation of like that digital world, like we we find you know we're worried about offending someone or you know worried that that conversation may go in a, in a direction you don't want it to go, or uh, you feel like you maybe have to defend a point of view or like, it's this weird um, state that we get into. And then, but that, that way to come back, to come back to a, a more relaxed state of being a, a way to really think more clearly, to be more articulate to what have you, it actually, it can really just start with that breath. Well, I love it how, number one, I commend you for the awareness because most people don't have the awareness of even paying attention to like their breath shifting, right? right. But yeah, I mean, it's huge. Uh, most people I don't think are focusing on that aspect when they're under stress. Yeah. But what an amazing way to just find more awareness of, okay, check, my, check in on your breath every once in a while when you're in certain situations or things that you maybe think are stressful and see how you're doing. Like have a self-assessment like Nick's saying, because just starting there and having awareness actually can help you shift things very quickly. I know with me, man, when I get in similar type of situations, I'll notice I take that big, like that extra, like you're trying to gasp for air every like couple of minutes, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And then you'll find yourself, you continually keep doing it. That's kind of what I'll notice with me when I'm in more of that contracted state. And then sometimes it's not in times and places where I think I should be doing that, but maybe it could be from earlier in the day or earlier, you know, with, with something I was doing, but yeah, man, I mean, it's so interesting how that, that breath will snowball into so many other problems physiologically, but man, it's such a simple thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like our breath kind of tells us things all the time throughout the day of what state we're in. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about the physiology. I, one of the, one of the books that I, I was reading recently is called the yoga of anatomy. I think I got that right. Um, it's kind of like a, a guidebook to the physiology or the, or the mechanical changes that happen in different yoga postures. And one of the chapters was really speaking to breath as a shape change. And I love that, that description and that metaphor, but also just, just the reality of it. I mean, what happens when we're in that contracted breath state, we're actually not exercising the full range of motion of our diaphragm. You know, we're, we're really like, you know, in that contracted state where there's less room for that expansion of the breath. There's less room for the expansion of the diaphragm. There's less pressure and stimulation to the digestive organs, which is why I think a lot of people who are experiencing stress have eventually developed some cramping or digestive discomfort or bloating in their stomach is because you're not actually creating any sort of stimulation through that diaphragmatic pull, you know, like our, all our internal organs have the, this momentum, like this fascial connection that connects the upper cavity to the lower cavity and vice versa. And a lot of it is being manipulated physically by that obviously our, our torso movement, but also with, with our breath, most importantly. And there's so much intricacy to that shape change and that emotion that happens with proper inhalation. 
you know, and, and I mean, I'd love for you to talk about that. In well, Vegas yeah, and that kind yeah. Of well, just talking about shape change, you know, I'm hearing you talk about the shape change and I just keep thinking and seeing the spine, right? Yeah. So one of the new techniques I'm using in the clinic now is called network spinal. And we talk about something called the respiratory wave. So it's one of the first things we establish when we start doing network care on your spine. And I got to experience firsthand when I was learning this technique. And one of the things I actually noticed outside of just, you know, we talk about taking this full diaphragmatic breath and being able to fill that abdominal cavity, you know, right into the pelvic floor. But what about your ability to inhale fully and move that breath all the way up to the base of the skull? So what many people will probably notice is sometimes you can get that full inhalation and fill the diaphragm, but that inhalation and that oxygen doesn't move all the way up to the base of the skull. Maybe it gets stuck at the sternum. Maybe you're getting it halfway through the chest. Maybe it's just getting up to the neck. But man, when I got my first network spinal uh, entrainment and I was able to get a full breath, it's like I almost felt like I took a full breath for the first time like in two decades. And I'm not joking, man. And in that instant, I had this like realization of like, holy crap like number one i thought i breathe well but after that breath i don't breathe as good as i thought i should and how much does this tension in in our nervous system affect our ability to move that energy of that breath all the way through the spine because one of the things we talk about is when you're able to get a full breath that can move from the diaphragm all the way up to the base of the skull it's kind of like a scrub brush that's moving up and down the spine for you all the day, mm. right? And it's helping you move the energy from the pelvic floor all the way up to the base of the skull. And imagine being able to do that just easily without any effort for the whole day. And I'll tell you what, after experiencing that, it's a whole different experience and a state of calmness that you experience all day when that's where your baseline lies. Wow. So, I mean, you're talking, you want to hear about the brain, that stimulates vagus, right? That's massively helping us just, I mean, get this nerve that we know helps keep us in this calm, relaxed state, helps gives us reactive reactivity, our ability to adapt to stressful situations and environments. I mean, if you can just maintain that state with breath, your ability to handle just stress period is going to be very, very heightened compared to if you don't have that breath. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about the neurological, neurological system, right? So we have the brain and then we can move into like even the cardiovascular system. We talk about the heart brain connection and how breath even just affects our cardiovascular system, our blood pressure, right? Our, our ability to perfuse tissue, all these things. I mean, one of the things I like to do to assess the nervous system is we do HRV, we do heart rate variability. Yeah. One of the main things that we see with people that have diminished HRV is they're not breathing well. Their breath is very diminished. Uh, and then we'll see that in the nervous system findings from that test. But with these people that can breathe really well, they have amazing variability in the heart rate. And we see a much better tone of the nervous system and reactivity of the nervous system. I mean, that's your master system, right? This is literally like the main guy that has to communicate to everything all day. And if breath is one of those simple things that we can utilize to help get us back into that state so that master system can do its job and express that innate intelligence and that energy, uh, then we need to focus more on this, you know, and um, such a simple thing, yet I think it's so overlooked by people, like we always talk, 
about like, oh, it's just your breath. But most people don't dig deep enough with this stuff and play with it to actually see the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a beautiful description, bro. I mean, understanding that even just, you know, the the, the spine and, and how things can actually get stopped neurologically, but also just you know, physically in that in that shape change uh, with subluxation and, and I mean, oh, yeah, I guess all the neurological inputs, right? Well, like a lot of people have compensation in their thoracic spine, right? Like right between the shoulder blades. Most people you talk to, they'll always say, oh, I have tension between my shoulder blades. You know what? That's like the number one sign. I'm not breathing properly. Yeah. Because when you're breathing properly, you'll get full extension of that thoracic spine on an inhalation, right? But when you have tension there and compensation in the nervous system, you can't move that breath all the way through. And it's very, very evident, man. And then that leads to neck pain. A lot of people suffer from headaches just because they can't get oxygen up to their brain. Like I gotta tell you how many people, if I just get them breathing better, they stop having headaches because they're able to just move oxygen a lot more efficiently. Mm. So the shape is huge. It's constantly shaping our body. It's constantly shaping our spine and moving our spine as we're just doing our daily, daily functions, but only if we're breathing properly. Yeah. And on top of that, it's, it's our lymphatic pump too, oh. right? Well, that's numero dos, right? So brain's <laughs> number one. And then we have our lymphatic immune health. Yeah. So again, there's your pump. So everybody that sewage system, me and Nick talk about all the time. There has to be something to pump that plumbing to keep that fluid moving. And it's your breath that helps you move fluids. So again, just ability to detox plays hugely into this body shape that Nick's talking about and the ability to change shape and move that fluid throughout the system. Yeah. It's no surprise that, you know, over time with posture, all, all these, you know, neurological and musculoskeletal subluxations and, um, you know, toxicity, all that other stuff we talk about that you're going to have this decreased capacity and we're going to be able to measure that in your heart rate variability and maybe on a spirometer or like an ability to actually look at forced exhale and, and there's probably VO2 max. There's probably other ways to, to quantify these changes that are happening in their, your respiration, even just like a respiration rate. Like if you're breathing more than, you know, 12 times a minute, you're up 15, 16, 17 or higher, you're probably in that really, you know, contracted you know, expansion of, of the diaphragm, not getting full benefit. And that has all the neuro, neurological out inputs and outputs to the visceral organs and brain and everything else, as you were mentioning. And, you know, the other thing that I think is really important in, in a discussion around this is how do most people breathe? I think like a, a simple process, you know, maybe while you're listening is notice, does your belly expand when you're taking an inhale or does it contract? You know, so take a deep breath in and exhale. And you, I'm sure you see this in practice as well. As I'm, I'm always amazed that most people, especially in this stuck in that fight or flight state, that sympathetic dominant, you know, drive, uh, is that they, when they're inhaling, they're actually contracting their abdomen in that it's like moving towards the back of their spine, like almost like they're sucking their stomach in when they're inhaling. You know, and like, what is that? That's a pull on the upper trapezius muscle. That's like all the multifidi and all the, like the thoracic cage, like, as you mentioned, is kind of locking up to like lift your rib cage to bring breath in. And so you're actually contracting your abdominal cavity when we should be expanding it. And it's just interesting, like inverted 
process, right? Well, and, and you probably hear the same thing I do, man. Is oh, I collect a lot of stress in my shoulders and my traps <laughs> right here. And I'm like, yeah, you don't breathe right. Yeah. Because like that's the reality. Like you're saying, all these accessory muscles are being used all day long. And yeah, it gets very tiring up here, up in the, on the upper torso, up in the shoulder girdle area. And yeah, you're going to be real stiff at the end of the day if you're not breathing properly because you're using all those accessory muscles. So yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Huge. Totally. So, you know, what are some, you know, outside of structure, what are some other, you know, obstacles or, you know, what are some other reasons for maybe why people aren't breathing the, the, the way that they should? Is, and maybe some of it's education too, but what, what do you think some of those obstacles are? Well, I would start with just, I would honestly say education is the first thing. Man. Most people just have never been taught how to breathe. Yeah. Like I see a lot of people that mouth breathe all the time and they've been doing that since they were kids. Nasal breathing is just not a normal thing for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And this affects so many things, man. Like I don't, I'm not an expert on the mouth by any means, but I've heard this can affect the shape of your mouth and your jaw. Right. And your hard palate and stuff like that. I mean, there's huge implications when we don't breathe. Right. Not only that, we can't oxygenate our bodies properly. So, I mean, we talked briefly about oxygen in one of our episodes about everything that we take in is used in real time, yeah. right? It's The uptake is 100% as, as we're just moving through life. But if you're not breathing well, then you're all constantly in a state of probably deprivation. You're not moving that oxygen through the system and feeding your cells what they need to function. Mm-hmm. Because you got 70 trillion cells, everybody, and they all need oxygen to function properly. So if you're not breathing well, that's already going to cause an uphill battle of your health because you can't basically supply this basic need to your cells that it needs to just function properly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man, like I was never taught how to breathe. I mean, I even look back at sports and the most that I was taught by most of my coaches was don't put your hands on your knees, put your hands on over your head to catch your breath. But then it never taught me how to breathe. It was just put your hands on your head, right? And like, that's as far as it went. And I laugh because you've heard me tell you this. I started learning how to breathe much better with yoga. And when I started running. Yeah. And that has actually helped me breathe better and be more conscious and aware of my breath. And it's massive, man. Like I was that guy growing up that would always say like, oh, I can't run long distance because I have no endurance and like I just get really tired. But it honestly was because I wasn't breathing properly, to be completely honest. And I've noticed now, like even whether it's a yoga session, like I'll do a long Ashtanga flow with Clarissa. Sometimes it's like an hour and 20 minutes or I'll go for like a long run. When I can find my breath, everything just gets easier, man. In yoga, I'm able to stretch out into my poses better. Everything opens up really easy. The endurance is there. I don't get fatigued. I can make my way all the way through through the set, no problem. That's the same with my running. But then I have instances when I do a yoga session or I run where I struggle to find my breath for most of the session or the run. And that's a very long session and a long run, man, where I'm just kind of struggling the whole time. So the power is in finding your breath. And sometimes you have to put a little bit of work to do that. Mm. Like I've had, I've had, I'm sure you've had yoga sessions where like you can find your breath in like 10 minutes. And then there's other times when you go and do it and like, it maybe takes a half hour because like your body's just in that contracted state. Right. But this also to, to your point earlier, it's a self-assessment of where we're at stress wise. Yeah. 
Oh, it totally is. I mean, I find when I'm when I'm not finding my breath properly or getting, you know, uh, more challenged in a yoga posture, or what have you, or, or a run, it, it is it's exactly that. I haven't exercised or opened up the all, all the accessory muscles. I haven't, you know, gotten loose and limber, and I, really, I haven't really stepped out of my mind and into my body, you know, because I've been so focused on what I'm thinking about or the challenge of the day or the week or what have you, and and that's you know, it's just goes to show that our consciousness is really, um, you know, a vehicle that's carried through our breath. And so when we can jump onto the breath train, our consciousness will follow and we'll, we'll be able to navigate and, uh, and be more, I guess, have more cognitive faculty about a, a challenge that we're in because we're actually breathing appropriately and our consciousness, like I said, follows our breath. And so I think it's a powerful tool for when we're experiencing stress is to remind ourselves of, oh, yeah, we do have this vehicle that can direct our consciousness towards our, our health, towards clearer thinking, to you know, resolve the brain fog. I remember our first, uh, Sonia, my uh, first Kundalini Yoga class, and it was this breathwork class. It, was, it wasn't really about postures. It was really just about engaging these different type of breathworks, whether it be alternate nostril breathing, breath of fire, uh, one minute breath and like all these different yoga techniques. And I remember after the first day we, we got home that night, it was a later, it was like a late afternoon class. And I remember just feeling like wide awake. And I remember feeling like, where did I get all this energy from? And I recognized even for like, you know, until our next uh, practice session, which was a week later, I just found that I had more energy as the day went on. It's because I, I actually breathe properly. I actually like exercise this, this, physical capacity of the diaphragm in a way that could actually deliver more oxygen to my brain, you know? So, you know, to your point of like fatigue or like endurance or just clarity. And I think even just people with sleep problems or, and other like anxiety, depressive and mental health issues, you know, often go back to actually, well, are we delivering enough oxygen to our brain so we can make good uh, decisions? You know, I think that's a huge obstacle right there. But you hit it on the head. How many people are struggling with energy and drinking caffeine and coffee and energy drinks, trying to like make up for it when they're probably not doing what you're talking about? Something as simple as just breathing properly yeah. and the sleep, right? Okay. It's getting to a point. I don't know if this is like this in Vancouver, but like in El Paso, every other patient that comes into me now is on a, is on a CPAP machine. Yeah. Oh man. Ubiquitous. It's ridiculous, yeah. dude. It is ridiculous to the point where I'm thinking it's almost fraudulent at this point where everybody just gets one and they doctor the data when they come in just to make it look like they have a problem. Either that or we just have this massive issue where people are not breathing because they're so stressed out yeah. and they can't breathe properly. So when they go to bed, that's why they're having trouble sleeping and they have these sleep apnea issues. But I mean, just, I mean, serious things, right? Like you're looking at serious health problems uh, that just kind of start to unfold and unravel and snowball from something so simple, right? Yeah. And we were talking about heart stuff, even people that have like arrhythmias and AFib and stuff. How much of that is just breathing improperly? Yeah. And you have people getting ablations and all kinds of shit, going to all these mechanical fixes. We're hooking ourselves up to oxygen masks at night. We're cauterizing our heart. And I'm like, what the F, right? Like, <laughs> Well, it's funny like you why, say that. Are we, like, why don't we just focus on the basic simple shit stuff. that we're not oh, doing right, right? We, so we, we had a conversation with Jared Caratola, um, and he was going over the structural anatomy of the mouth, and we sent a patient to him, 
who was getting uh, cardiovascular issues and, and his like his blood work numbers were improving a little bit, but there was still, he was stuck in inflammation and he had some of the typical like amalgams and root canals and stuff like that. So there were some biochemical things that were challenging his body, but what, what they found to be the biggest contributor is that the structure of his jaw and his palate and all these things were interfering with his sleep at night and his ability to actually extract oxygen through his breathing apparatus. And um, it, it's game changer for him because he's actually you know, reconstituting appropriate structure in his mouth that's allowing for better oxygen delivery so he can sleep and actually recover at nighttime. And I mean, how we get there, like high sugar diets, uh, high toxicity, you know, again, no, no actual breathing practice. I mean, Western Price found a lot of really amazing information in just the types of diets and how how we formed or how our jaw structure was developed as a result of the foods we were eating. So a lot of the like early introduction of high fructose corn syrup and like the really crappy fast foods plays a role on jaw structure. And, and that plays a role in how we breathe, you know? So a lot of these things can, you know, develop over a longer time. And sometimes in these cases, I think with, uh, you know, a lot of these increased influx of CPAP machines is maybe because we were just eating such crappy food for so long. We never had the proper muscular mechanics necessary to break down the food that we we're eating because it was all fried or fast food or easy to chew on. And, uh, and that had a huge effect on how our, the, our faces actually developed, which then, you know, plays a role in how we breathe in this upper respiratory uh, cage. And then, and then there's like the stress of life, which then impacts obviously the shape change of the diaphragm and the lungs themselves. So I think there's, it's multifaceted and, and fascinating, uh, you know, reality when we start to break down all these different implications. Well, and a, and a, a takeover for people is like, you can change your state and your physiology in moments with your breath. Like in moments. I mean, me and Nick are giving all these different examples right now of how that's done and how it influences your body. But like, there's not many things that we can take and put in our body that can do what our breath can do if we just focus and get better at this. So what a great way for you to kind of like start changing your health by just asking yourself a question. Have I ever been taught to breathe? No. Well, maybe I should learn. There's tons of books now. Hit up Amazon, go to Audible. There's got to be like 50 books now where these experts have come forward. They have these how-tos, how to breathe. Everybody's heard of Wim Hof by now. Mm-hmm. Go check out his website. There's tons of YouTube stuff. And there's all these resources now at our fingertips. I mean, this is one of the best times in history that we can access this type of information for free and start making changes in our health versus when you and me were kids, man, what do we have Encyclopedia Britannica sitting in the library? Yeah. And that's all we had to, <laughs> to look something up, right? So my point in case is like, it's something that is self-treatable. And it's something that's self-diagnosable to some degree because you can just assess where you're at and then you can build on it just like you do anything else in life, whether it's going to the gym or eating better or doing some of those other things. This is a, a huge thing that I, if you put a little bit of effort and work into and educate yourself and do some practice, it's life-changing. Absolutely. And for chronic health issues, man, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Like if you have chronic health issues in any capacity, where is your breath? Yeah. Where is your breath? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Well, I'll tell you what, I think that's a good place for people to start. You know, either pick up a book, do a quick little breath course online. Um, 
you know, practice just conscious breathing, you know, deep inhale, deep exhale. If maybe you've got access to heart rate variability assessment tool, you can track that and learn how to breathe through the heart math technique. Or, I mean, there's so many different ways to exercise the diaphragm and there's different types of breaths will do different things. And, and, but, you know, I think step one is just, yeah, like you said, bringing awareness to it and educating yourself on, on the impact. I mean, what Dave and I teach essentially is resiliency medicine, right? It's a way to establish a, a more balanced life, but also just, a, you know, a physiology and a physical body that, that is way more resilient to the environment that we're facing, you know? There's no, there's not gonna be a drop in toxicity. There's not gonna be a drop in stress. There's not gonna be a drop in, you know, fast foods and different things like that. You know, we decide what obviously goes into our body and then there's things that are out of our control, but how can we be more resilient to the environment internally and externally and how we start to reverse some of these pathologies, these chronic states of inflammation and, you know, breath is like, it's the easiest, the cheapest, doesn't cost you anything. You just have to start to engage it a little more, more effectively. So it's, I think it's an easy, easy home play exercise. Isn't it funny how some of the things that are absolutely free are the ones that everybody cherry picks? <laughs> totally. Breathing and exercise. Yeah. And fasting. Some of the most, yeah. Some of the most potent medicines in existence for your health. Yet people find all these reasons to justify why they don't want to dig into those things and try and try them out. So I challenge our listeners this is something we've talked about fasting many times. We've talked about exercise, but this is so important. So, so important. So look into it, start down that journey. There's no rush. It's a journey, right? I'm still on my breathing journey. It's gotten better for me over the last three years, but I'll still be, I'll probably be better in the next three or four more years. Yeah. That's it. Keep on, keep on breathing. Yes, just breathe, but learn how to do it is the lesson. Awesome. Good to see you, brother. We'll see you next week. You too, brother. Love you, man. You too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.